Okay, welcome back to another week of the Stephen Sully study. Now, as everybody knows, my journey is studying very successful people. Being in business myself, being also a boxer, because I, I, I box and competing on March the 5th. Um, I love to interview go-getters, entrepreneurs, athletes, people that have gone through adversity. And my next guest, who's in front of me over Zoom, uh, a guy I've been trying to pin down for some time because I know he's a great entrepreneur, great speaker, great author, and he's got so many other great attributes to, to, to him, is a guy called Mark Victor Hansen. So thank you very much for your time and thank you for agreeing to come into the podcast. Delighted to be here and congratulations on your show and all the people that you're uh, interviewing because everybody needs somebody to look up to. Everyone needs a mentor and, and, and those of us that are have succeeded in whatever field or endeavor need to be mentors to mentees. I'm, I'm totally, and, and a lot of times we can get it off the air and, and when they find somebody, then they ought to pursue their whole study if they're in alignment. And if somebody wants to study me, I've <clears throat> written 318 books, so they've got a lot of work and I own a couple companies, so that all works too. Um, what what um, sort of stood out for me? So first and foremost, Mark, I mean, I got introduced to you by the great Rob Moore. Um, he was, he is a mentor to me. In actual fact, when I started my journey into the podcast world three and a half years ago, it was was basically partly thanks down to, to Rob. He's got a very successful show called The Disruptive Entrepreneur, so I wanted to highlight that. And I listened to the podcast interview that you guys done together and I thought it was fantastic partly because Mark it's just the way you speak um I, I'm in sales right so I run a uh, I'm part of a, a brand called Woodbury House we are a uh, art company that promotes a Canadian artist who made his name in New York called Richard Hamilton he's known as a godfather street art and they always say that a, a sow a definition of a sow is the transfer of enthusiasm now, selling something doesn't need to be a product. It could be a service. It could be a brand. And when you talk, even though you're not necessarily trying to sell, I buy into what you're telling me. I buy into you and what you've achieved. So first and foremost, I want to thank you for that because you, you've actually motivated me in some aspects of my life. And you've also been uh, recognized as someone that is produced or co-produced over is it 500 million books now, Mark? Something like that? Yeah, yeah, over 500 million books. And my goal is a billion, which I, I got to say that those 144 people that turned us down because you said, do you handle adversity? And the way to handle adversity is one clean four-letter word, N-E-X-T, which is what we're teaching in our book, Ask the Bridge from Your Dreams to Your Destiny, because everyone gets rejected. Everyone gets squished. Everyone gets hit in a solar plexus, to use a boxing term. And, and the fact of the matter is, we all have to just keep saying next until you find a person that's in alignment with you so you can go manifest your dreams. And all of us have dreams. We do. We do. So um, I want to take it back to the beginning then, Mark, because there's going to be a big audience that know who you are and listen to your uh, interviews, listen to you talk live, and also listen to uh, books and read your books, etc. But for the for the small demographic that may not know you yet, your background, <laughs> your, your background, Mark. Where, I mean, c clearly you're American. So you were born in New York. Am I, am I right in saying? No, my parents uh, lived in a place called Waukegan, Illinois, outside of Chicago. They were Danish immigrants. My dad had a little bakery. He wanted me to be a baker. I said, look, Dad, I don't know what a white glove guy is, but I think I'm one of those guys. 
I, I went to university. I got to be with the smartest guy on the planet at the time, Buckminster Fuller, Einstein's best student, arguably, who had wrote 40 books and 2000 inventions and all that. So then I tried to be Bucky, which was a mistake. I went to, I lived in New York. I built the Wall Street Racquet Club, Botanica Gardens, aviaries, and I lost $2 million in one day. The oil embargo went up and I crashed and burned because I couldn't get any what's called PVC, polyvinylchloride, petrochemicals. So my best, worst experience. So all of a sudden for six months, I'm ready to kill myself because I thought, God, I lost all that money and I'm trash. I'm living in a in Hicksville, Long Island, New York, in a hundred dollar a uh, month rent with four other guys in a little house. And I go to, I, I say, okay, God, what is it? What is it uh, that I'm supposed to do? He says, what is it you want to do? And I said, I want to speak to people that care about things that matter that would make a life-changing difference. But way cool. So I go to my three roommates in Hicksville and, and breakfast. And I say, hey guys, any of you know somebody that's not a celebrity, not a Broadway star, not a medical doctor, not a lawyer, that, that is making money speaking at relatively young so I can relate to him or her. Guy said, yeah, man, uh, we have a little guy talking to all of us in real estate here today, Chip Collins out in Hop Hog, Long Island, New York. So I jumped my little beat up Volkswagen to bankruptcy courts and not taken to me. Ran out, watched this guy mesmerize the audience. You could feel their hostility in the beginning because interest rates were at, at, in America at 28%. It was just atrocious and nobody was making any money. Well, this guy got him to laugh, dance, have fun and believe in themselves because what I teach now, my model is you got to have self-awareness to get to self-expression, to get to self-mastery, uh, to get to spiritual self-realization. Anyhow, um, I said, Chip, teach me what to do and how to do it. And he said, if you'll stay out of real estate, I own the five boroughs, the five cities of New York and Manhattan and Long Island and all that. So I said, well, where am I going to sell? He said, sell the life insurance. It's a bottomless pit for motivation. So I went out and started talking to little life insurance companies, did a thousand talks a year for the first three years. But people kept saying, man, that story is so good. You have it in a book. So the first book I did was literally stand up, speak out and win. And it's not available anywhere, but we sold at, at $10 each, I sold 20,000 copies to little bitty groups, even of six or 10 or 12, never more than 50. And I made $200,000, man. I thought I had died and gone to heaven, man. I was, I got me a brand new Chrysler Cordova car with white Corinthian leather. It won't mean much to you, but back then that was styling and profiling. <laughs> so that's how I started. And then I've never stopped writing books. And if I had a regret, it would be, I should have done more books faster. How's that? Um, you've had a lot of success with, with the books, but I'm, I'm going back to just what I noticed about you, which is that passion, that energy, that excitement, and more importantly, your tonality. Um, it's very, very gripping. And I've got to be honest, when I go and see speakers and I'm in the same room and, and they talk and they've got powerful tone like you, it really does grip me and it, and it gives me a another lease of life. I think every entrepreneur goes through the ups and we also go through the downs. And I think it's very, very healthy that every so often to reboot your system, listening to good podcasts, reading good books, but more importantly, getting around people with good energy, people like you, is important. So when did you realize that you had a knack or a gift to do public speaking and talk to big audiences? Wow, what, it, it, that's a great question, Stephen. So thank you. Uh, first of all, I want to go back to the, the, I want to hitchhike and agree with what you said first. And that is that everybody 
needs to get in the energy orbit of somebody that's more successful, more prosperous, healthier, happier, and uplifts them. And that's called the high level languaging. It's called entrainment, E-N-T-R, you know how to spell. Anyhow, entrainment means that you get in their energy orbit. Now, people of a low energy, you know, cast out a vibration that we can now take pictures of with curly and photography of a foot or two. People that spend their time like I do talking to thousands or my biggest audience, I guess, was uh, 38,000. Unless you count TV, then I've done hundreds of millions. But um, what happens is you send out an energy vibration and the people that are ready, like what you're saying is, and that's who I've spent most of my life talking to is entrepreneurs, salespeople, marketing leaders, business owners, and churches. Those are the markets that I do and, and a few doctors. Anyhow, um, they get re-entrained because everybody has greatness hidden in them and somebody can be the spark plug. Remember, it takes a little bit of um, a little match to light a candle. And if my candle's lit and yours isn't, got blown out because you said everybody goes up and down. The big language in there is we all go through the vicissitudes of life. Somebody wrote that in a forward of one of my books early, Dr. Joe Murphy. And I thought, there's a word I'll never forget. We all pulsate, which I'm going to show you how to handle that. But if my candle's lit and I go out of my way to stay pumped every day, I listen to motivational stuff like this morning. I was out exercising you know, early in the morning here. I, I do every day and I'm 74 years young and I'm going to live to be 127. But if my candle's lit and yours isn't, you light yours and mine. doesn't take anything from mine. But if you go home tonight and you light two candles, put them together, it jumps fourfold. People need to be with other people that are tuned in, turned on and, and, and aggreg aggregating to a higher power. Then the next thing you said was entrepreneur. And, and as you know, I've written seven money books and one is called the one minute millionaire. And this is what happened to our Rob, our friend, Rob made a fortune reading this. And the first line I have in one minute millionaire, which everyone needs to get now, not because I'm trying to sell a book, but the first line I wrote is there's a million ways to make a million. There's one right, easy, acceptable way to you. Now, everybody shouldn't be a speaker. Everybody shouldn't do real estate. Everybody should do something. And we use, this is my corporate colors, purple and yellow, but the, the uh, butterfly is a universal symbol of freedom. And what entrepreneurship creates is freedom. And I don't care what you do as long as it's honest, ethical, and moral. But the point is, an entrepreneur takes a problem, fixes it, scales it, and then makes a vast profit. And it's spiritually the right thing to do. Because what the big guy said, Jesus said, the greatest amongst you is servant of all. Well, I'm just serving a few people, so I'm okay. And I'm going to do the same thing I did last. No, no, no. You're here to create grow and contribute and that's what an entrepreneur does and right now you say well oh my god the system's down and the politics are down and this is down and shipping's down look those are problems if you can figure out how to fix them you could make a fortune and and by the way you deserve to make a fortune and you got to stop listening to negative news when i went bankrupt i was listening and they're reading new york times every day all the bad it says all the news fit to print they miss one word they missed all the bad news fit to print and it was crushing my little spirit and yeah i listen to motivational inspirational educational stuff every day and then i watch youtube positive stuff at night with my wife for a little bit before we go to bed and i stay tuned in, turned on, and, and I'm here to solve the problems and figure out how to make the world work with, for 100% of humanity. 100% of humanity can be physically, economically successful, abundant, 
and well off and healthier than we've ever been. Now we got to get rid of some uh, people that are dumbass squared. They're trying to stifle that and control all kinds of stuff that doesn't need to get controlled. We need free enterprisers. And that's what I believe in. I, I love everything you said. So there's a couple of um, sound bites there, which I want to just pick up and, and carry on talking about. Um, with my podcast here, Mark, um, my void I'm trying to fill is I'm 36, okay? And when I was younger, and you could probably agree with this as well, there was no such thing as social media. There was no such thing as podcasts. There was no such thing as really, you know, like the whole YouTube uh, kind of entrepreneurial conversations happening. The only real place you could find it is either going to a public speech or uh, maybe go to a library, something like that, okay? Had there been podcasts when I was younger, you know, 15, 16, 17 years of age, it would have shaped my desire to go down a certain path. So now I know there's probably young men, young females out there that are not so good at school because it's something that doesn't really trigger for them. But what will trigger is listening to great conversations like this, okay? And I'm not in in this space to be a, a, a mentor as of yet. I'm not in it to be a self-help guru or anything like that i'm just here to have decent conversations with decent people who are go-getters and they've been around the block and they've got life experience okay which you definitely tick those boxes but one thing i did say at the start of the year i I rarely do a solo episode but when i do it's on reflection of the conversations i've had with my guests i've got almost 200 episodes out there i've been running for three and a half years and i've interviewed a lot of people especially a lot of athletes And the main thing I took from 2021 out of all the episodes that I've done with guests is if you want to become a success, be around the right people because there's two types of people, kind of. There's radiators and there's drains. Some people will drain you of your energy, drain you of your ambition and drain you of your belief. Other people will radiate your belief, radiate your skills and radiate your higher, higher uh, profile of yourself and whether you want to become the best mum, best dad, best business person, best athlete, you need to be around the right people to keep you on track. How important has that been in your life? You know, 70 plus years, been around the block, traveled the world, lot of success. How important being the right, around the right people has been to you? Okay. First of all, I love the way you did it. And if you write a book and you want to do it with my publishing company, we ought to call it Radiate because that is a heck of a single title. I'm saying single title books really work. And I love the word radiate because you want to hang out with people that radiate. Uh, what my colleague and friend who I'm working with his daughter now, he had a publishing company called Charles Tremendous Jones. Isn't that a good name? Charlie Tremendous Jones. It sounds like a bank. So Charlie used to say, and he and I were very close. We did all the Amway meetings all over the world together with 10,000 people, 38,000 people. Anyhow, um, Charlie would say, you're, gonna, you're the sum total of the people you meet and hang out with and the books and audios. And, and there wasn't videos yet, really that you listen to and watch that, that uplift, enchant and elevate. And, and so the point is, is that what I teach is four principles. Number one, you got to figure out what you want. And that's critical because you got to, like I said, I wanted to be a speaker. The infinite said, Mark, what do you want? You got to get definite with the infinite to have the infinite get definite with you. So obviously I've been one of the highest paid speakers in the world. And then then I said, well, I want to be a writer that speaks. So that's even higher paid. So you figure out, number one, what you want. Number two, you got to put it in writing. 
this is spiritual law. This isn't Mark's law. It says, write a thing, make it clear. It'll be established onto you in Habakkuk in the Old Testament. Number three, Solomon said, without vision, people perish. So you had a vision that you'd be a great boxer, right? You had a vision that you could do this show, that you could get other athletes to come on and, and spill the means about what they did, what their course of training was, what their course of mental mindset that created their money set, success set, health set, family set, right? Life set, spiritual set. And then the, what you're really hitting on here is the fourth principle I teach is called Mastermind Alliance. And everybody should read Think and Grow Rich and, and my book, book One yeah. Millionaire, I think. But Think and Grow Rich interviewed the richest man of all time who was today's dollars would be worth 400 billion. That's even more than my hero, Elon Musk. Anyhow, although he's going to probably transcend a trillion and we can talk to that. But Andrew Carnegie read through the New Testament said, Jesus never did a miracle, water in and wine at Canaan until he had 12 disciples, Synchrovesh, going the same direction. Now in the end, Judas went sideways and that's part of the story. But the fact of the matter is he couldn't do miracles until he had 12. So Andy Carnegie created the steel company and what he was is an integrated conglomerate now the guy that's doing an integrated conglomerate in america is elon musk every other car company is stifled and stopped because they can't get chips what did he do he was smart enough to do an integrated conglomerate he makes his own chips so tesla's still making cars while everybody else has stopped because well we're going to buy from china because they're cheaper well Today, as we're making this, China, I've been there 80 times because I've sold 374 million books in China. So, And I love the people. I don't like the CCP, the Chinese Communist Party, because I, I told you I'm a flaming capitalist and really good at it and want everybody to be a capitalist. I want everyone to have freedom. Anyhow, Mastermind Alliance is two or more get together in the spirit, the spirit, the spirit, the spirit of cooperative harmony, pursuing one or more goals form a third new mind that is invincible and unstoppable. Now, when Jack Canfield and I, you know, created, you know, the Chicken Soup for the Soul series, and we had 144 people turn us down, one of us would boost up, to use your term, radiate to the other one and uplift him to, to keep going. Because, you know, you get 144 rejections in a book business called Pink Slips, which it's like when you were probably in school, they give you a pink slip for detention. I expect you got in trouble like I did once in a while, just because yeah. you got a mind and teachers and professors don't always get what you're doing. Anyhow, um, Jack and I decided to do it. And then we, even though our spouses at the time were saying they're no longer our spouses, but said, hey, you can't uh, do this. And you guys are nuts. Why don't you just go out and keep speaking? Well, once this book took off and, and my goal, I write all the goals, right? I wrote, we do a million and a half, a year and a half. And we did that. We started June 28th, 1993. By Christmas, the next year, 94, in December, we'd done a million and a half. And I said, no, we're going to do 5 million. And then we're going to do 10 million a year and then 15 million a year. And by the way, all those goals are unachievable. So let me just hit on that real quick. I'm on the biggest show for Amazon called Amazon Bestseller with uh, Mark Devon. And, and Mark says, you know, Roger Bannister. And I said, heck yeah. First guy to run a four minute mile. He says, well, you're the Roger Bannister of books. I said, what a great thing to say, Mark. I thank you That's for great. it. But I said two, two things. Number one, Roger Bannister was a medical doctor. He did it in 1953 and he had four guys running in front of him, breaking wind. Did you know that? I didn't. So, so he had no resistance. That's number one. Number two is it, I said, Mark, do you know in the next week, how many people broke a four minute mile? I said, no idea. I said, 119. I said, look, physiologically, anatomically, we are no different. 
I get goosebumps telling you that, which is corroboration of truth. What changed the mindset, the belief system? Because Christ said, you're done unto you according to your beliefs. So the belief was, you're an athlete. You run up under a four-minute mile. Your heart will jump out of your chest. You'll be a dead person. You're going to fall over on a track. That's what they believed. And this guy was a medical doctor and didn't believe any of that crap. And that's we all get sucked into crap. Sorry, that's not a nice term on the, using the show, but I think everyone got it. <laughs> Uh, absolutely. You just raised a, a book there, which you're very known for, which is Chicken Soup for the Soul. Um, I, I heard a Rob Moore's podcast, The Disruptive Entrepreneur, which was a, a fabulous interview you guys both did. Um, you said something which I didn't realize that in China, they don't allow certain amount of, well, certain amount of help, self-help entrepreneurial book through, but every so often they'll let a, a few, few types through. Is that how yeah. you... Because obviously there's a huge population over there, over a billion people. So is that how you become two billion? Okay, is that how you became very successful with with the books because you penetrated that market? What happens is, and by the way, because we're in fifty eight different languages with my books, they didn't understand the word soul meant God. Because remember, communism equals atheism, and and when you go there, Mao. Uh, the first persons he killed. Now he killed 78 million people. So he's one bad dude. Now Hitler killed 6 million. Stalin killed 58 million. Mao killed, you know, 78 million. That's why I'm opposed to communism at every level. Like right now they've got 5 million Muslim slaves making Nike shoes, right? So it, it just, it, it's problematic in my mind. There should be no slavery. There's no human born that should be a slave Definitely. as far as I'm concerned. I, I am opposed like 100%. So I say, don't buy any Nike shoes until Nike cleans up its act and quits letting slave labor 100% make their shoes. But Nike is, anyhow, I, that's a whole political thing. And I know I shouldn't go too political here. But the fact of the matter is, we sold the books because they didn't understand the word soul. And and like when I arrived in China the first time in 19, oh God. I'm going to say 97 or 98, right? By then I was doing 10 million books a year. And, and the guy who was our promoter who is still my friend forever, Dr. David Chu, famous, famous guy there, a business guy. Uh, David had to speak all over China, both my wife and I. Anyhow, um, he gave me a list of 28 things. I couldn't say the word Christ. I couldn't say the word God. I couldn't say the word Jesus. I couldn't say this and that. So I would always do cute things like King Solomon, the richest guy ever worth $4 trillion dollars. You know, the Old Testament guy who wrote Psalms. Anyhow, is uh, King Solomon said, without vision, people perish. Therefore, I translate that for all of you. With vision, you flourish. And it was only business guys that could afford. They charged a lot to attend my seminar. I'm the world's best-selling author. So they all wanted to meet me, get a picture with me, have Crystal and I sign our respective books together because we do a lot of them together. Um, you mentioned earlier that you're in your 70s, 76? Say again. How old are you? Seventy six. Seventy four. Seventy four. Okay. I want. I want to ask you this question, okay? And I'm actually asking the the, the viewers, the listeners, to also think about this question. How many seventy four year olds right now have got the same energy as you? In good nick, like you are. You know, you look like you keep yourself really trim, athletic, and healthy. And more importantly, have got this 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 purpose. So my question to you is, at seventy four at whatever sort of you know uh, mature age you know the viewers are are, are are at at this present point in time what is the key mark of staying young 
mindset creates health set, life set, love set, joy set, money set, every set. So you got to set your mind and you got to set it first thing in the morning and last thing at night before you go to sleep. And my wife has lots of degrees, but one is that she is a, a hypnotherapist. So we're in total alignment on such things. But, you know, we when we're when we're writing this book, Ask, it's interesting. We're sitting at a, at a health food restaurant eating and just we are in. Uh, let me do two things. Let me do go back one statement. In this book, the 20th anniversary issue of Chicken Soup of the Soul, the first thing I wrote in here, I'd gone through a very painful, extraordinarily expensive divorce. And uh, so I wrote down all the things I'd like to have in my soulmate. I wrote down, I don't know if you can see any of those, but I wrote yeah. down 100, uh, sorry, 267 things she had to be. You know, have a nurturing spirit, deep spiritual practices, meditates, creative, non-smoker, non-alcoholic, non-drug user, charitable, have great etiquette, have her own money, have friends that love and enjoy her personality, are thrilled to be with her, loves my family, kids, grandkids, and our kids get along if they exist, culturally, politically, socially, emotionally, spiritually aware. Anyhow, I wrote that when I saw her, she was radiant, to use your term. She was in this audience, and, and uh, anyhow, long story short, how we got together, we married, but when we're sitting at this restaurant, <clears throat> having the greatest meal, there's a, a man of the cloth. I, I assume I assumed he was Catholic. He had a white clerical collar, black suit. He said, can I talk to you two? And a little rude, but I said, sure. He said, uh, do you want to know what keeps a happy marriage together forever? I said, yeah, I think I'd like to know that. I mean, he started, you know, we teach the answers always in the question. So in our book, Ask. So he said, what you got to do is pray out loud together every morning and every night. Now, my wife and I prayed in church. We prayed in groups. We prayed at funerals, all kinds of stuff. But we never had planned on praying out loud. But we started doing it. And it really works. Because what you're doing is you're setting your spirit. Here, the spirit world runs a mental, which runs a physical, which runs your results. Now, that's deep stuff. And, it, and I can unwrap it for you and take you through it if you want. But the fact of the matter is, we meditate and pray usually for an hour a day to set our vector. And, and when you're in tune with infinite stuff, because the infinite's infinite. Now, Genesis 128 says you're made in the image and likeness of God. So your God stuff's good stuff. So if God's infinite, that makes you infinite. You have infinite ability to think, to love, to enjoy, to prosper, to create great businesses, enterprises. And the poorest place or the richest place in the world is a graveyard because people died with their songs or music, their athletic achievements. Uh, their records, their inventions, their innovations in them, which is tragic because they didn't feel good about themselves. That's why I said earlier, self-awareness is the first key to escalate up the hierarchy. And where Crystal and I are now, I can talk for my wife because we're so clear, is that we get in, in line with the infinite every day. And I got to tell you that I understand we're going through the most tragic times in history. But the, in the book you may have to read in high school, it said the best times are worst of times. And I add one sentence to that. It depends on your spiritual, mental, physical attitude that's going to give you altitude or give you crash and de-altitude. So the point is, every it's up to each of us individually to flourish and bloom where we're planted in whatever situation we are and make sure we're in charge of our mindset. And if you can find another person and if you've got a sweetie, then it's a little easier if you're in total bonded, positive bondage and alignment. Um, bondedness, bondedness, I think it'd be a better word than bondage. Bondage sounds like prison. 
I totally, um, totally, uh, you know, uh, I'm on, I'm not, I'm on the same page as you with what you just described, and what you just said there is such an important lesson. I listen to a lot of, you know, um, let's say mo- motivational speakers, a lot of podcasts, and one which is a bit old school. Um, some of the younger viewers may not know this gentleman, but I'm pretty sure you will do. Uh, you'll know this name, Mark. Is Zig Ziglar. And yeah. he, he said, in life, whatever happens to you, you've got a choice. You can either respond to it or you can react to it. And he gave a good example. When the doctor gives you some kind of me- uh, medicine or medication, okay, if he says that the medication, you're reacting to the medication, that means something's happening. You know, you might be coming out in spots or acne or, you know, you, you might have an adverse effect. But if your body's responding to it, it means it's working. And in life, COVID-19, lockdowns, recessions, businesses going under, markets crumbling, you really have a choice. At that point, you can respond or you can react. And I get the impression, Mark, that, you know, you, you respond and you think, okay, what's the silver lining here? What is the opportunity? Things are changing and are developing and I can either moan about the situation or I could do something about it and I think that mindset that simple mindset and to you know to to actually go down the path of responding is such a healthy way to live would you agree 100% so two things may I Uh, first of all Zig Ziglar and I did a lot of seminars together and one day we were running together in the gym. We were in Boise, Idaho. There's gigantic snowstorm outside. And uh, we did a morning seminar. And before we had dinner at night, we, he, he believed in exercising late in the afternoon and getting a second day out every day. I believe in exercising in the morning to wake up my metabolics and system because sometimes I'm up in the middle of the night with these brilliant ideas because I program myself before I go to sleep. Give me the solution. Give me the title of this book or tell me how to like we've had a problem with one of our partners and we had to extricate him from one of our companies and, and I need to know an elegant, uh, omni-effective way to do that. Anyhow, um, it, amazing. So, but Zig and I were great friends. We were running that one time in, in Boise and he said, you know, Mark, uh, the interesting thing is nobody, because we were talking about having critics, because the more successful you get, the bigger target you get in your back. And I've got a fair amount of critics, not a lot, but a fair amount. And he said, and he had a lot of, you know, because here's the guy from the late South. He talked with an accent all yeah. day. And, but I love Zig. So from, he said, a lot of people now claim they're from Yazoo City, Mississippi, like me, you know. They <laughs> 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 think you're successful. Anyhow, uh, Zig said, you know, once you get critics, they never build a statue to a critic. And I said, wow, that is really interesting. That's true. And everybody that performs, it's, it does something heroic or, uh, you know, like I've got a couple of Guinness Book of Records, like the most books ever sold and, and, and stuff. I got a couple others, but, and my wife's getting one right now, probably. So the, the point is, and that was one of the things we wanted to do, because, you know, you got to write down too many goals. What do you want to do? Because you, if you've got great goals, you'll get them. If you've got no goals, somebody else will get them. So that's like dumbass squared. If you don't have goals, it's your fault. And the goals have got to be in writing. So when I sit with people that tell me how great they are, I say, good, show me in writing your goals. Like I just showed you all the goals I just wrote on my wife. Well, you know, there's two guys, myself and Demartini, who I'm sure you've heard on yeah. thing that have over 7,000 goals in writing. We're the only two that have shared. Doc, John and I, Dr. Demartini and I have been friends for 40 years. Um, anyhow, so that's that part. 
I don't know where I was going to go with the second part. So you could ask a whole new question. How's that? Well, look, um, I, I, again, listening to your some of your interviews, especially the one with Rob, and you just mentioned there, you, you, you know, you've, you've performed or spoke with Zig Ziglar, which I think, you know, when I got into sales at like 19 years of age, I mean, he was an absolute legend. There, there's a couple of key names. Jim Rohn, Zig Ziglar. Jimmy and I did a lot of seminars together. We did all the people network, literally yeah. around the world. Average audience, 4,000. I'd go on first, Jim go on second. Jim would say, now you get the living hurricane, who's a, a hurricane five when he talks. Yeah. And Jim was, Jim was great. I think both of them are powerful speakers. So you've got Jim Rohn, Zig Ziglar. There was a guy yeah. called George Zalicki, who'd done the profile of a champion. Uh, Tony Robbins. Yeah, I know Tony well, yeah. And uh, who else was there? The name escapes me, but there's been a few. few oh, no. Parker. Yes, from The Secret, but also uh, Brian Tracy. Who was Brian, Brian just somebody's writing my biography right now, Mitzi Purdue, who I'll recommend to have you have her on the show. But she's she interviewed Brian about me yesterday, and I got Brian into metaphysics and, and starting to read Dr. Emmett Fox on the mental equivalent and stuff like that. And we're both Brian is the encyclopedia of our industry. He just there's nobody that has studied more. He reads whatever number I tell you is wrong, probably, but 50 books and then makes a program out of it. He's a reads four or 5,000 words a minute. God bless him and remembers everything. He, and here's a guy who couldn't graduate high school. Oh, that's what I wanted to say. A lot of the people out there, what you said, I wanted to make sure I hitchhike on it because a lot of the women out there and the men are not doing well academically. That's okay. Two things. C students end up hiring A students to work for them. That's, that's fascinating because I'm a Horatio Algier Award winner, which means I came from rags to riches, been excessively philanthropic. We tied on every book we did, and I even wrote a, a little book you probably know, which I'll send you electronically free if you want and give it to everybody, The Miracle of Tithing or The Miracle of Giving. Anyhow, the, um, it, it is mad. It, so number two is that in Horatio, we got two guys that got kicked out of school, essentially a little overgeneralized, but at 13 years old. Well, the first guy is Quincy Jones, and Quincy Jones orchestrated all the music of, of Michael Jackson and, and We Are the World and all that. Second guy, who, who's uh, really active still and a friend of ours and just got remarried, um, David Foster helped make Barbara Streisand and, and Celine Dion and, and uh, you know, Whitney. And, and here's two guys, <clears throat> each of them separately. They didn't know each other. They got kicked out of school. They're different ages and all that. But at 13, school system linearizes you're only good if you know this this and this and this and you get grades and all that that and that and that there's no way to see that both of them are going to be the as far as i'm concerned now you may have somebody else you like andrew lloyd weber and i don't i know his story but these two guys are friends of mine and are the best world's greatest orchestrators i mean you know they are maestros that can get the whole group to make harmonic music and bring out beauty that uplifts and elevates and catapults the story forward into radiance. How do you like that? Very, very, very good. Good answer. So what I was going to come on to with all these great profiles, including yourself, Tony Robbins, you know, Zig Ziglar, etc. which I mean, who do you like? I mean, this might be a question that you can't really even answer, or maybe you can in a roundabout way, but Tony Robbins, Zig Ziglar, Brian Tracy, etc. Who is the one? Who are the individuals that have really radiated you and you've kind of 
got the most amount of uh, motivation from, good energy from? Who's the one that's really pushed your success along the way? A ton of different ones at different times. So I'll just do a, a smorgasbord, which is a Danish word, of course. Um, and I'm sure you've been to smorgasbord sometime in your life. Anyhow, um, <clears throat> in the speaking business, first of all, that guy Chip Collins taught me how to do it. And we met and masterminded. One in one equals a power of 11, like I said, and two minds agreed. And Chip told me how to do the day-to-day -day operations of a speaker and what to do. And, and when somebody objected, how to handle it, because he'd been through it. He's five, 10 years older than I get, um, was. He's gone. Anyhow, the other guy, the guy who started the National Speaker Association and taught both Zig Ziglar and I how to sell is Cabot Robert. Now, Cabot Robert didn't start really speaking. He was a lawyer who always, his whole heart was into speaking, taught Toastmasters, notes Smedley, did all that stuff. And he goes to talk to 15,000 people at the Rotary Club the day audio tape recorders were invented. Now, Sony, I don't know, I think at 36, you can remember those big, ugly recorders, of just course. like you remember big, ugly yeah. cell phones that were, you know, weighed 4,000 pounds. I'm joking, of course. Anyhow, he goes to, to he goes to uh, Rotary Club and talks to these people and says, here's a brand new device called a tape recorder. Now, remember, now we got CDs, now we got Wi-Fi. So it's, to some of the kids out there listening, on TikTok, they're going to go, what in hell is he talking about? Well, you go look it up. He's telling the truth. That's the history of how these came to be. Anyhow, he holds it up and said, this costs $20. And this audio tape by me called, you can't heat an oven with snowballs is $10. So that was $30. He sold 15,000 out of 15,000 people. Well, that started the sales from a platform business that now does 30, well, uh, before COVID, I don't know what we do now, but $30 billion a year. Cavett taught both Zig and I, and we did the big rallies, the PMA rallies with like 17,000 people, you know, and, and we had Paul Harvey, we had Dennis Whaley, we had everybody on the program with us, and we we're all friends. And, and But we sold plat product from the platform at volumes you can't even start to believe because everyone is hungry and needs the nourishment of the soul, the mind, the body. And, and, it, and you know, so I'm cheering you on to go take all your podcasts, put them in programs. And, and I, my position, and, and a lot, some people are going to be listening to this later, but Omicron is going to go through the program. Everyone's going to have, um, it's called herd immunity. That's what yeah. we had on bubonic plague. Bubonic plague killed a third of humanity, and that's tragic. And, and what's happened now is tragic, but it was, we got a lot of opinions on that. But at some levels, we all, I've had it, my wife's had it. We also had ivermectin and hydrochloroquine to solve it but the, the, and we got the antibodies now but the fact of the matter is sooner or later everybody's going to have it and then that battles that problem's over and we're going to open up the market and just like right now uh, whatever yesterday i watched football they had 102,000 people watching football right you know, i was with another guy and, and and we're doing a lot of business together and it's amazing to me that that happening so guess what seminars are going to happen again and they're going to be bigger than ever and, and I'm still going to be doing them. I'll, you know, my minister, Norman Vincent Peale, the guy who wrote Power of Positive Thinking, um, back when I lived in New York, well, he and Reverend Ike were both ministers. I went to churches every Sunday. Um, Peale was still talking at, uh, at uh, 101 years old when he died. I mean, it was amazing. So, you know, the point is, trouble with athletics is you're done at 30 or 40 years old. And, and you, you can argue that and say, 
look at Sylvester Stallone. He's still making movies and getting the crap pounded out of yeah. <laughs> Rocky Five is being done right now. And he's 78 years old or 80. And God bless him. Right. I like Sly. Anyhow, the, the point is, as you get older, you theoretically, at least you get it more eclectically wise. I, I'm going to buy that because I'm getting all of us are going to get older. So, you know, and that's why every athlete should learn how to speak and how to write and how to do business and, and be good investors like the best investors, two bad investors in basketball, which I know pretty well, are Shaq, who I've been with a couple of times. I love the Shaq attack, and and uh, and um, Magic Johnson, who is supposed to be dead with co- with uh, HIV and is you know now is a billionaire. So, but he told Shaq to invest, and now Shaq's worth seven or eight hundred million dollars. And God bless Shaq, right? Yeah. Shaq is incredible. I mean, uh, again, another guy who's got so much uplifting energy, so up, upbeat, and uh, yeah, a, a great figure to look up to. Um, and also, look, just for the record, Mark, I'm not here to talk about lockdowns and COVID, but I'm, I'm actually on the same, I think I'm on the same page as you. I think uh, I've got the antibodies. Um, I didn't go for the uh, state injectable. I, uh, I, I, I went for the natural herd immunity. Look, I'm 36 years of age. I've been competing boxing most of my life. Uh, I, I, you know, I look after myself, and uh, I wasn't going to be forced into that. And I think, you know, certainly the second, third lockdown and beyond has been ridiculous and criminal. I don't think that should have happened. Personally, um, they had all the data, and personally, I think this was more than coronavirus. I think there was a bit more of an agenda there to to push their products. Personally. But again, I totally agree. Mark, I totally agree. And the reason why I feel comfortable sharing it with you, because I know I've heard you talk about it, but I know you're a business person. It didn't make any sense for them to lock down. But hey ho, look, again, being entrepreneurs and optimists, there's a silver lining. And this silver lining is there's opportunity out there. When things are shutting, one door shuts, another door opens. And I'm ready to absolutely attack what 2022 and many years after is going to throw at us. So yeah, um, you mentioned about age. What I loved about what you said at the start of this podcast, you're going to live up until 127 years years of age. Now, I've always said to my family, and they think I'm crazy, especially my dad, is I don't listen to this, oh, you're meant to die at 80 or 85 years of age. You're not going to retire until you're 75 years of age. You're not going to become wealthy until you're really, really older. Fuck that. I'm not believing in that, those limiting beliefs. I will survive and, and live and thrive until I'm ready to, 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 to hang up the gloves. And I've always said that I'm going to live beyond the 100, 110, 115 years of age. How are you so sure, going back to you, Mark, that you're going to get to a ripe old age of 127 years, of, you know, years old? Well, first of all, I... I, I... I have a lot of uh, doctors that I hang with that are positive doctors that believe in, in longer telomeres mean you're going to live longer and we're testing all that stuff. Second of all, I listen to all the top guys, whether it's Dr. Peter Demandis or Dr. Ray Kurzweil who wrote a book that if you live long enough, you live forever. And he said, you know, the first thing you do is nutraceuticals and I take 78 herbs and vitamins a day. So this is a healthy system. I mean, when I go in and give my blood every quarter to get it tested, they go, Oh my God, you really have veins. Well, the, the point is I exercise, I do weight training. I do all run. I do all the stuff that you're supposed to do. We climb all the highest mountains here in Arizona and wherever we are in the world. So the, the fact is that I am physically fit, mentally fit, 
And then the second level of the Kurzweil said is that the next level is, is doing stem cells. Well, I, my knees got so bad, I couldn't, I thought I was going to have to crawl to the bathroom. And I went and I paid 15 grand and I got my own stem cells. If you know about stem cell stuff, they, they, um, oh God, I'm using the wrong term. It looks like they walk it in front of you. They uh, have a spinning thing. I can't remember what it's called, but anyhow, and they get rid of all the 95% of the bad dead cells and, and only the good live cells. Well, they put it in my knees, you know, not painful. I mean, it was a needle and all that, both knees. And, and like that, I went, oh, my God, my knees work again. This is wonderful. And I can run and I can jump and I can do trampoline. I can do everything again, climb over the mountains and no pain. And, and you know, to be ambulatory is critical. Uh, everything is critical because, you you know, life is motion. When I was in graduate school, we were working on going to the moon. I had the world's greatest physiologist teaching me, uh, Dr. Alfred Richardson, who wrote all the books. And he said, the first sign of life when we arrive in Mars, arrive on the moon is does something move, right? It's got to survive. But if it moves, it's alive. Now, here, the, the different thing, the higher level of the highest level of physics, metaphysics, everything moves. Energy is all every energy is everything. Everything is made with energy and, and everything's in constant movement. This chair I'm sitting in, from my point of view, feels solid. But the fact is, it is moving. And over two or three hundred years, it'll disintegrate because it is that right yeah but i i will live to be over 100 because i'm doing 10 things right and i do them pretty consistently because as an athlete you know the the deal is you don't want you want to push back your mortality if you're having a good life now the point is if you have a high quality of life then you want a high quantity of life you got a crappy quality of life good diet 60 50 whatever the hell why would you want to live but i love my wife I love my kids. I love my grandkids. I love the products I'm creating. I love the businesses that I own are pushing the edge of the envelope. And, and, uh, and, I, and I get to do these podcasts, which is back to your question of a minute ago, is what's so mind-blowing to me is that, uh, you know, back to opportunity is infinite. The minute I couldn't speak in a platform, it, 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 by the way, here's what happened. I, I meant to tell you this. So our book, Ask, comes out. We got a great publisher, Anthony Zaccardi, and Anthony calls up and said, look, um, do you want to push back the publication? This is in like March when COVID was just starting. And I said, hell no, I don't want to push back. I don't ever stop. Nothing stops me. I'll figure out the solution. And, and we immediately went on 400 podcasts, literally around the world. And the book sells electronically better than ever because they're buying them in Australia and New Zealand and in Vietnam, I'm the number one book. You know, so everyone says, well, it only matters if you're number one in New York, in New York Times. Well, that's not true in my mind. Anyhow, we never pushed it back and we kept figuring out new ways to sell books that nobody had ever thought of because God in you is in your imagination and, and your imagination is infinite because if he's infinite and you're made in the image and likeness and you're infinite and, and if you stay stayed on the solution, like, how are you going to do more books in less time and have more fun doing it than you've ever thought of? Um, that's what we do. And we keep creating new ways. And, and I've got, even in this week, we've had three or four breakthroughs. And, and the, it, it, I don't know if you read the book, but the first story is A Fable of Michaela. Did you read this at all? I haven't yet. I will do. Okay. So The Fable of Michaela was written by my wife and it comes out of her prophetic dreams. And it is a phenomenal story, but we wanted to make it into a movie. And, and of course, I said, figure out what you want, put it in writing, and then visualize it so you see it and know what's going to happen. And then you build a dream team. 
mind blower of mind blowers is that the most sold book, single book ever is The Alchemist. If you haven't read it, you want to read it. Did you read it yet, Stephen? Uh, Alchemist, I have it, but is that by Robert? Robert, I uh, can't remember. It, his it's name. written by the guy, uh, Paulo. Uh, Paulo uh, anyhow, he's down in, in Brazil. Okay. He's a great writer. And it's a phenomenal book. And that's why it's sold 150 million. Because we only write books that are quality, sticky books. And he wrote a great book. So the, the uh, mind blower is the people are making that movie right this second. They're finishing it in Morocco. Well, they came to us and said, we want to do the fable of Michaela. Well, heaven, right? It opens up because you've got to have a big vision. You've got to be going somewhere. The, I, I did a whole book that's standing behind me, how to think bigger than you ever thought you could think. Because the size of your question, back to this book, asked, the size of your question determines size of your result. If you say, if you came to me and said, I want more money, I'll give you a quarter. You said, no, 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 Mark. That isn't what I wanted. I said, well, that's what you said. Now, do you want to make 100000 that's 250 work days a year at $400 a day. But if you want to make a million, which is easier than 100,000, then it's $4,000 per 250 work days. That's a million. I can teach you how to do anything you want, but you got to decide very specifically, get definite with the infinite so the infinite can get definite with you. It seems you say, well, that's nice philosophy, but is it true? No, no, I've demonstrated the philosophy. It's not a question, is it, am I on trial? It's that every one of us is on trial. Every one of us has got to be tested each and every day. I mean, when you go into the boxing ring, if you haven't exercised for a week, your ass is grass. That guy's going to KO your butt. Is that true? Very true. And, and you know, so obviously it's a, it's a high discipline that I, and I happen to thank God, my wife and I love to write. We love to talk. We love to think. We love to converse. We love great, grand, and terrific people that have expansive minds. So uh, my question to you then, and I know you've probably hit on this in this conversation, but... What is your mission now, Mark? Like, what is your actual life mission today? There's a multiplicity. I've got 10 goals that I even wrote down when I was 21. But at the level of, of books, I, I have created a new book company called the Mark Victor Hansen Library.com. Mark Victor Hansen Library.com. And we ghost write books for people because 98% of the people can't write. So we write them and put your name on it and, and help you sell it. And, and we're doing. You can go and look at our website, and it's it's pretty good. I think I think it's great. As a matter of fact, and we're we're booming because what happens is, remember, I'm a, my parents came out of socialism. My uncle created the black band to take all the Jews out of, of Germany into Denmark, and came up to my father, fourteen young or young, his Uncle Sven came up to Paul, my dad, and said, "Here's a hundred dollars passport. You're going to America." I'll kiss both cheeks, said, "Son, brother, I'll never see you again because Hitler's got a hundred thousand dollar hit on each of us." So I'm, I hate socialism. And some of these people that want a free lunch, which you and I are against, everybody that's a socialist ends up becoming communist. And the first thing the communists do is kill all the socialists. Like I said about the first thing Mao did was kill all the intellectuals, kill all the Rinpoches, kill all the priests, ministers, rabbis. So it's just, and then everybody that's educated because they want to down level the thing so they can control and put people in bondage. That's why I'm for free enterprise. It's got foibles. It's got mistakes. It's got idiot. It, it, you know, it's got some issues, but it's like Winston Churchill said, it's the best of the three basic systems. Did I over answer your question? No, that was really good. So the next question, which is linked to this is, and here's what, why I'm saying it. I believe in America, the culture and the mindset of entrepreneurs, money, selling 
is actually ahead of the UK. Because when I say sales or money or entrepreneurship, it's getting better. But certainly with the older generation, like my wife's parents, or maybe not so much my own parents, but I would say more more her side, is they're very, got a bit of a dim view of it. Like my son, Mason, so I've got two boys, uh, Mason's three, and my newest one uh, is only three months old. And Good for you. the conversation came up, which was, look, what would you like Mason to be when he's older? The fir- first answer is he could be anything he wants to be. But if I had a choice, I would either like him to be an athlete because I I didn't pursue professionally to a high level being an athlete, whether that be football or soccer or boxing, etc. So I would love him to kind of feel, feel a void for me. But obviously he needs to want to do it. So if he could be some kind of athlete, that'd be amazing. He could tour the world, become super fit, become super famous, make a load of money, be such an ambassador and be an inspiration. That'd be great. Or be, be, be some kind of entrepreneur. And to be an entrepreneur, you need to first and foremost be a good salesperson. And she straight away said, why would you want him to be a second car salesperson? I said, I didn't, I didn't say that. I said, a salesperson. She said, yeah, but when I think of a salesperson, I think of, I think of a you know, a used car salesperson. And that's the kind of stigma that money, uh, entrepreneurship, sales has kind of in the UK with the older generation. So my question to you is, how important is money for humanity? Okay, so money has three levels, which I'll teach you in a second. But let me go back, first of all, to just change the image from a car salesman to my dear friend, uh, Richard Branson. We've been together a lot. I've been to Necker Island with my wife and I, and and he and, and he always hugs her more than me. I don't get it. I don't know why Richard likes her. <laughs> she must be an attractive lady. <laughs> She's gorgeous. She's wonderful <laughs> and the wisest person I know. I just couldn't resist saying that. But here's Branson, who started out not doing well in high school because he's dyslexic. He reads backwards and upside down. I'm not making fun of my friend. It just that is the is, and yet he writes a book a year which he actually dictates. I've been with him in the island and, and we did videos together and had great fun. And and the point is, started out writing a student magazine, they had so many subscriptions, he started doing records. The Beatles came out and, and uh, uh, these two people came to him and said, we want you to do our record. I'm, I'm shortening us, I'm missing a lot of points, but I'm just trying to get to the end of this. And that is, Guy had Shaggy Aaron said, what's your name? He says, I'm Mick. Well, hell, it was Mick Jagger. And, and Mick says, not only do I want to do it, but my friend Janet wants to do it. And that was Janet Jackson. Well, obviously, they rocked the world and all the Peter Gabriel and on and on and on. I can go through. I know his story pretty well. And I study him because here's a guy who now owns 421 businesses with billions. He's going into space. He's doing all this cool stuff. But he is basically a salesman marketer. And he says, look, I spend 60% of my time hustling, selling my virgin product that's what you need to do with your parents your uh, in-laws is change their image Choo! instead of looking at lowly and by the way there's a lot of car dealerships that make a lot of money but the the point is all you gotta do is change it to he's a, he's the penultimate of salesman in your company country sorry yeah uh, yeah for sure so so quite naturally money is important um i always say to people that look Personally, I don't believe money makes you happy, but what it does do, it gives you choices. And for me, right. when you've got choices, you are a bit more relaxed because you're not 
forced into a corner to do one thing. I'll give you an example. If you're broke and I'm not, I'm not supporting crime and I'm not supporting doing anything illegal, but you can understand sometimes why sometimes on their backside, they've got a family to feed, they've got a mortgage, uh, they're getting letters from the bank saying they're going to repossess their property, their business or their market has gone under, and then they start selling something like drugs, okay? And that, totally correct. That, that is, they may feel in that point in time, which isn't true, but in their mind, they've got little choice. So with money, investing money wisely and making a good amount of money, you have choices. And therefore, it gives you that flexibility, which eases off the pressure. And I'll tell you one more thing. There's a, a boxer that I really admire. A lot of people don't like him. He's a bit like Marmite. You either love him or hate him, okay? He's a guy called right. Floyd Mayweather or Money Mayweather. And here's what... By the way, I've met him. He's doing great. I got to apologize, but like Zig said, money may not be important to you, but it rates for me up with oxygen. I got to leave. I apologize, no, Stephen, no, but I thank you for doing this. Can I ask you one more question? Quickly. Okay. I come up with a slogan called Be Happy, Never Content. If I were to, I if I were to ask you, what does "be happy, never content" mean to you, Mark? Is is fulfilling your destiny as the ecstasy of life? I love you love and your audience. Thank nice you. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye.